Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're a week late. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, thank you. Welcome back to the pod is what I'm saying. Um, uh, it's Ollie, and I'm joined by Vibena Jesuit, Anna herself. <laughs> um, thank you, you, everyone, for letting us take a few days off. It was Ollie's birthday, and then it was my birthday. Um, and then I got a tooth taken out, and I got a screw put in my jaw. Oh my god! And you're fine now. You're not less than a week later. You're back to the pod. That's pretty crazy. Back to the pod. Um, how's your week been, Ollie? Um, it was pretty chill. It was spring break, but things aren't open still. So it was, well, things are like kind of opening, but only next week will we be able to really go out. So for now, it was uh, pretty uneventful. What are you doing next week then? Do you have something big planned? Well, that's the thing. We have to kind of see what's, it's complicated because of the capacity limits. Um, we don't know where they'll have a group. And also, uh, like, I don't know how many people are involved, but we've been wanting to go out and I've been talking to different people for a while now. So I feel like I, I need to step up and organize something on the you're, behest of everyone. Your so. beanie babies in the corner. They're I so got cute. so many beanie babies. Okay. So my <laughs> mom was like, there's an extra pile of like plushies and she was like go through these before we throw them away or give them away or whatever give them to your little cousins and i see a couple of beanie bays i'm like oh these interesting i know that there's a slight amount of demand for these so i like look up and some of them i, I did more research later and this was not the fact but at the beginning i was like oh my god these are worth like thousands and thousands of dollars um because all of them have tags on them turns out like they got to be in perfect condition and they have to have like specific mm numbers on them so but yeah now i have a, a bazillion beanie babies in my office which is pretty fun there's some really cute ones the you're not gonna keep one, them on your bed you're not gonna i'm no I, i'm keeping them on my shelves oh. and everything in my office because i feel like having beanie babies in your bedroom as an adult male is just like <laughs> oh, a little no. weird imagine you like bring a girl home and you got hissy the snake chilling on your bed there's like 30 beanie babies just staring right at you yeah Holy fucking shit. Um, I mean, I hope you sell them so that you can go out with your, your new money. We'll see. I've never, I have very little eBay experience, so mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll try. I'll try my best, but we'll things see. can get uh, ruthless on there. A lot of worst case scenario though. I get a bunch of cool little beanie babies. So that is that's, a, that's nice. the best case. They're really scenario. cute. They're really, really cute. I'm really glad that my mom kept them. <laughs> um, but what about you? How was your, I know you wanted, you had a lot of stories that you were like, wait till the pod. Um, yeah, so week was good. Um, obviously I was telling you, or I was going to tell you about how today I literally have been terrorizing my roommate. So, um, as with every episode of this podcast, I'm hungover today. Um, so, so I'm chilling in my room and my roommate, really great girl, really lovely today. Like things were quiet, low key. She has her girlfriend over. So at one point I get up um, to go to the kitchen. Cause that's in the middle of our bedrooms and I hear them. Um, okay. So well, my, my 12 year old brother listens to this podcast. So we're going to have to get a little, they're going to woohoo <laughs> to put it in Sims terms. They were woohooing, um, in a way that I could hear everything. Um, so whatever I put my AirPods in, like they're doing, does she thing. listen to this podcast? No. no okay no, good no. um i mean you didn't name her so it doesn't matter 
Yeah. So they're woohooing like pretty aggressively. I got my AirPods in, but then I have to throw up. Like then I immediately, I like all of a sudden I have to throw up. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll wait, but no, like you can never really wait. Right. So I can't go to the bathroom because the bathroom is right next to her room. And imagine if one wall over I'm throwing up, that's really bad. So I choose the kitchen sink instead. So I just, I have to, I go over and I just throw up and I don't just like throw up. I'm like, <laughs> so loud and my airpods are out because one of them fell out by then and so i'm literally like throwing into the it. vomit it fell no, into the vomit god, okay no. thank god um i'm literally puking my guts out like throwing that shit back metaphorically and i just kind of hear them stop like i just hear them slowly stop and then it's quiet and then they're like are you okay um so I just ruined a really nice moment for someone probably um and then I locked myself out of the apartment so I found her on find my friends at a local restaurant and I went to the restaurant and interrupted the nice dinner they were having to ask for the apartment key so I'm the worst she's very nice and <laughs> that was my day yeah I yeah very productive. I did so much <laughs> mischief. All right. Do we want to jump right in now that we've gotten our, what we were up to this last week instead of <laughs> podcasting? So yeah, this, so obviously our pick last week or last episode was Moonlight for Black History Month. And now for Women's History Month, we're doing, let's go. We're doing Dune. We're doing, we're doing Dune. Dune. We're doing Dune. <laughs> Timothy um, Chalamet. Do you want to take it away? Sure. Um, the thing is, with this one, it's like, I don't think we should even try to explain the plot because mm. we'll be here for 45 minutes explaining what this movie's like, what happens. Yeah. Um, it's like iconic Dune, the Frank Herbert novel that was made in a like, long time ago, uh, a David Lynch film, which is awful. Do not watch it. Um, <laughs> He like didn't watch this new one. He's there's like a quote like David Lynch did not want to watch this version because he's so scarred from having made that version. So um, the original Dune, um, I read, I have a note here, was a box office bomb, grossing 30.9 million from a 40 million dollar budget. Um, yeah, it was, was really the, expensive, which was the largest movie budget of the time because it yeah. was made in the 70s, right? Um, you know, Toto, who does like Africa. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, that's the son of John Williams. Toto is the son of John Williams. Oh, first what? of all, that blow your mind once. What? Then I'll blow your mind again. He wrote the soundtrack to the original Dune movie. And it wasn't good. No, it's really well. It, it's like kind of cool. It's like 70s sci-fi ish. But um, it's upon not good. No, don't release. Watch oh, what? Sorry. Sorry. It was just me burping in the microphone. Oh, good. I didn't want to miss that. <laughs> Um, well, I tried to pull away, but it was just so incredibly loud. Um, upon release, Lynch disowned the final film, stating that pressure from both producers and financiers restrained his artistic control. At least three versions, whatever. Lynch had his name removed from certain cuts of the film. Um, and I, you can like watch. There's a the, sorry. There's a version online. I just want to mention that there's like a definitive edit that a fan made definitive edit that like reorganizes the movie so that it's a oh. little bit more like the book. 
because they use a lot of stuff that's not even in the first book that's from like the second book when it's like you have already so much to work with what are you doing here so the movie is just like incredibly long it's totally out of order like how the story is told and as a result it just makes no sense the fan edit does a little bit of i watched the fan edit instead of the original it does a good job of kind of putting it in the right order but at the same time it's still very confusing to anyone who's not fully aware of what's going on which is also a problem i think with this new version well so Um, something about david lynch is i feel like david lynch is one of those directors he did twin peaks he's done a, a lot of other things but i feel like he's one of those directors who like can never do anything wrong like if he well he did this if he wrong. makes a bomb like this he's like i'm taking my name off it whatever it's other people's fault and then if he makes things that are like bad in a different way like people don't understand then it's just like oh it's too good for you or like it's too he's like i can't i can you. do no wrong kind of yes thing. Okay, yes 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 it. because like his stuff is good. Like Twin Peaks season one is fantastic, but yeah. there's no narrative plot. Also like Blue Ribbon, Mulholland Drive, like people don't like things that they can't understand. Dave, can I call you Dave Lynch? Um, Dave, Dave Lynch. <laughs> Dave Lynch. Um, I feel like David Lynch thinks that he is Dennis Villeneuve. So actually very interesting. Denis Villeneuve, like his whole life has been working towards this, making this movie. Like he's been quoted as saying like, I knew that this was going to be like my magnum opus was making Dune because I grew up reading this. And when I was like 10, I read the first Dune book and he's always, that's like when he makes other sci-fi movies like Arrival, it was all in preparation for this. He's been quoted as saying such. That is really Um, cute. To the point where, um, he uh, turned down being the director. He was offered, but did, did he turned down directing uh, the last Daniel Craig Bond movie, No Time to Die, to make this movie. Like he was, in, he was about to go and do a James Bond movie, and then was offered this. And he, well, not offered. He'd been applying to do this forever yeah. and trying to get a studio to bite. And finally, they agreed. And so he immediately dropped James Bond and was like, "We're making Dune." The last James um, Bond was like pretty skippable, not gonna lie. Yeah, it was pretty, it yeah. was pretty okay. Um, um, but yes, also Hans Zimmer, who did the soundtrack to this movie, uh, he turned down doing Tenet to do this. Tenet was kind of so skippable, was, not gonna lie. Agreed. So, two incredible uh, names in filmmaking, uh, both directing and uh, scoring. Yes turn down other big opportunities to do this so you already knew going into this that this was going to be great then you look at the cast incredible like it literally could not be better cast i think i think there's not a single person on that list that it's a great nail cast. the role they're in it is a great like, they're all cast. perfect You're so right. for that role um although i will say that reading the do i read i saw i watched the first movie when it came out in imax mm. as we mentioned in a previous episode and um it was amazing. It was like, I love Denis Villeneuve, so I love this movie. And it made me want to go and read the books. And I'm now on book three. So disclaimer. Um, so you know a lot. So I know a lot. And we can we can talk. If you have any questions, we can I discuss do. some. Because this is the thing. So when I watched the movie, I watched it with my friends who have read Dune. And they were like, it, it's amazing for us. So I don't th- know how it, they said that it was amazing for them. So they don't know how I felt. And I, th- I felt I loved it. But then to have gone and read the books and understand like, what makes Dune good has nothing, nothing of it, none of it appears on film. And that's the main critique based on my research on the internet is that uh, 
people who will be like, eh, it's not as good as you may think it is, is because it is the latest culprit in this like sequence of movies that are based on books um, that simplify and commodify great storytelling mm. um, as a co-opted way to like sell like Star Wars, like sell an expanded universe. Like with Dune, if you look at like Dune book sales and how it has, it is like, the, it has never been a better time to like reboot this when, you know, people are, are ready for it. Um, but at the same time, you get none of the storytelling. It's literally just like a movie that is a major blockbuster action movie. None yeah. of the storytelling of the actual book is in this movie. It's just visual. And of course. I think that's surface hard level. I mean, I, I do like Dune a lot because I think the way that it does, you know, blockbuster action movie is really good. It's great. Um, and I'm inclined to give it a pass for not being able to translate the storytelling of the book to the movie because I think that's unbelievably challenging. Um, also, you say say the director's name. Denis Villeneuve. So you're going to say it like that, which is correct, but I'm going to say it like American Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. <laughs> Um, then even yeah. uh, he's from Montreal, um, and uh, a really interesting. We're gonna trivia because I'm just like we're we're on the topic of Denis Villeneuve because he he is like truly phenomenal, um, and there is no one else that would have captured the grandeur of the Dune universe. He does grandeur really well, mm-hmm. like literally, like reading the book, um, especially the later books when the world of Arrakis becomes bigger. Um, in the book, it's not very well explained. Frank Herbert is not necessarily a a very descriptive writer. Yeah. And so it's very hard to imagine where they are and what they're doing because he doesn't really give you anything. It's all up to your imagination. And I think Denis Villeneuve does exactly that. He like takes his version of what he, when he was a kid reading these books and makes it even bigger than I was imagining it when I was reading through it. Like I I don't even have that. I felt like I didn't have that as creative of a mind when it came to interpreting the story here. Um, and so he wrote this part one yeah, without even having a green light for the rest of the series. Like he nice. fully was only going to make half of the book into a movie. And if it flopped, there would be no part two. There would no, now he's been approved for like the opening weekend. He was approved for part two. Sure, and sure. now they've also extended this into, he's going to make a trilogy with Dune Messiah, which is the, the second book, which is really short. So um, this might be a spoiler, but what ends up happening basically is that Timothy Chalamet's character, Paul, <laughs> um, white boy yes. name. Um, we can get into that. There's a so reason why that's. He's the protagonist of this book, but he ends up becoming a huge fucking warlord and millions of people die because of him. And Billions, it's all... I think. I think billions of people die. It's giving very, I, there's a lot of political subtext to this story and you know better than I so like I'd love to hear your opinion on it but it just gives very like oil wars in the Middle East and like even Timothy Chalamet gives me like George Bush a little bit he's kind of serving a George Bush-esque you think that Paul Muadib is George Bush who was the savior (laughs) of Iraq (laughs) is that what you're saying right now like I got a five on my AP US history exam so I think I know what I'm talking about um, you should not read Dune then because it is like reading history 
textbooks. Yeah. That's what it feels like sometimes. There are chapters just... that. Sorry, you go. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. Um, I don't know. It's just the political subtext is the only way that kind of the only thing that kind of gets in my way. It's a little too preachy almost. Or preachy I don't know. About what, in what way is it preachy? I'm interested. I'm interested by what you because the the standard interpretation of like what the first book is about is about um, the the consolidation of power mm-hmm. in any society always leads to bad outcomes, and oh. uh, whether that be religious power, whether mm-hmm. that be government power, whether that be literal like strength power, whether yeah. that means mental power in the case of the Bene Gesserit, there are all these factions who are all political spheres in the, in the universe um, that all have power and are, are guided to one specific kind of thing. And, and um, Paul and his descendants in the later books are a continuous like consolidation of all these powers, on religious purpose. power. They were like bread. Well, yes and no. The thing about co- consolidating power is that it quickly falls out of control. So you, what you see, Paul is born a generation early. He's He was part of the, the, the breeding program of the Bene Gesserit. But Lady Jessica was like... Had him when yeah. she wasn't allowed to have any son. The, the, none of this is explained which is why I don't blame you for not knowing any of this, but like what, why Paul is a villain in Dune and not the hero that everyone thinks he is from just watching yeah. this movie on surface level is that Paul is um, kind of like cheating the, the intentional, um, the intents of all these different factions. He was born a generation early to be the culmination of all these powers. The Bene Gesserit have been savior, right? Well, he's supposed to be the Kwisatz Haderach, which is (laughs) it's a dumb name. And his name name is Paul. Like, come on. Okay, Um, so the Bene Gesserit is something that I love about Dune, and I think it's portrayed really interesting. And I think it's done really well in the movie where they give you breadcrumbs that make you ask questions and then they give you answers within a timely manner and it doesn't all feel like exposition like um like some movies honestly when they're trying to world build they feel like the fucking second half of like a student film where it's like oh shit we have to explain all this is due tomorrow um so i think dude does that really well where it, it feels very natural and you're like learning naturally so you'll be excited to know that there's a confirmed HBO series about the Bene Gesserit. Um, okay, that like is 10... so cool. And also so, HBO so, is killing it recently killing. with TV. But so HBO, this was a huge debacle because HBO Max streamed this movie day one with movie releases. And Denis mm. Villeneuve almost like threw a fit and didn't let them release this movie because he was like, no, like people need to go see this movie in theaters. And HBO okay, well, Max it's a was... pandemic. It's a pandemic. Exactly. Demi. Um, but Denis Villeneuve was like, no. And then the HBO Max was like, too bad. We're doing it anyway. <laughs> but we'll give you a show. Like, and this is what I'm saying. Like, they're taking like really cool fiction and just kind of exploiting it for they're gonna yeah, make TV shows about the because there's so much to there's so much content. And they they can do this because they invest in great filmmakers and great actors to play these roles. 
Um, so I don't blame them for, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, it's, it's kind of like a, a bastardization of what this art even is about. So, I mean, yeah. I feel like Dune is just like a sexier, more interesting, more adult catered version of like a Star Wars or God forbid, a Star Trek. Let's well, it's thought through. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. more developed. It's more in- intelligent and not like just mindlessly written. Um, yeah. And it feels okay. So, I mean, I love this movie for so many reasons. What are your like big, obviously it was your, as well as my top movie of the year. What are your big favorites about this movie? What, what, what are your favorite parts? What do you think it does really well? Um, I think firstly, I, th- I love where it's shot. I think all the Caledon scenes are filmed in Norway and all of Arrakis is filmed in Jordan and Abu Dhabi. Oh. So like the sets are like out of this world. I think that it's perfect for, and, and when I read the books, like it was exactly how I imagined them looking. Um, and like I said, the grandeur of the film is something that really appealed to me. The music, the soundtrack was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but I think what, what, what stood to the most to me as like a really well-executed concept that I would, I, I would think is impossible to execute based on your, when you read the books is the voice and like how yeah. voice and narrative, uh, not Do narrative, you want to explain what the how, voice is for people? Yeah. Well, so like the voice manifests in many different ways in the Dune universe. Like the power of the voice is very interesting and a lot of different factions use it in different ways. So like the beginning when you, like when it's a black screen and there's like, like that weird, like low tone. Yeah. That is, they never explain this, but like there's a scene where there's just like people getting bled and other people being like anointed with this blood and there's a dude Mm -hmm. just like moving and making weird sounds and they don't explain who any of these people are so that's the sardaukar who are like the the royal navy basically the royal military they're like prisoner slaves who get trained to be mercenaries and they're like super powerful they're like the most violent group in the in the galaxy so like they're being brainwashed when you hear the that that weird humming is them being brainwashed with the voice to be so, like violent like killers but what is the voice for people who haven't watched the movie i mean like can you so just sum it up that is one manifestation of the voice the voice is just like manipulating human communication for as a, as a method of p- control to control people. The most common people that use this is the Bene Gesserit who like can literally pull you towards them and like control you with their words. They can like say something to you and it sounds like a simple, you know, conversation that me and, me and Anna are having, but I can slip like in between the words, I can like t- send her a secret message. Yeah, and at the, and Lady Jessica, can do it the mom and at the beginning she's trying to teach timothy chalmay or she's like mm-hmm. making him practice she wants him to become the quizat hatterack she she thinks she just birthed the 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 chosen one question um, why do you think so at, at some point in the movie it's revealed that she's pregnant again why do you think she gets pregnant again right as they're about to like move to this new planet that's like not super safe she already has a son she already said fuck it to the Benny Gesserit for having the Sorak thing. Because that's Hadarak. Yeah. yeah. Um, why do you think she, because 
um, I read online that the Bene Gesserit, they have total control over their whole bodies because they do a lot of like torture and pain, which is kind of cool. Um, no, but they do a lot of like whatever mental shit. meditation and metal yeah. shit. Yeah. So the Bene Gesserit can control exactly when they get pregnant. And if they don't want to get pregnant, they don't. So why? So it was, this is intentional. She just didn't get knocked up. So why do you think she gets pregnant again? And she so, hasn't had another kid in Tibby Shalmay's like 17, maybe in the movie. Yeah, this is uh, this is all explained. Uh, the birth of Aaliyah is explained very like there's a reason why she had to be conceived. Um, and partially that has to do with the same motivations that she had when she had Paul. Okay. Um, she, she does have the Paul as a boy because she wanted to please her husband who she loved. Exactly. Right? And she wanted Aaliyah to please the Bene Gesserit who were mad at her mm. for um for birthing for trying to cheat the system and birth the Kwisatz Haderach which she was not told to do so it's like a way of her a trying to reconnect with the Bene Gesserit because it's a way out now that that her she like when her husband is is killed she goes into survivor mode amazing he's amazing he's the perfect leto um, he is. And steals the sh- steals the show too. He's like, great uh, in this movie, and he's so fine. But yeah, so Aaliyah is is conceived not only just because of uh, her desperate like need to find someone who will help her. Yeah, because okay. like she doesn't know right now. At the end of this movie, we know that they end up with the Fremen, right? They end Which up is with the people native to Arrakis, the, the uh, native spice well, planet. Native yeah. is maybe not the right they, they were displaced they are a displaced oh. people who've been moved they've been slaves on many planets and then they mm-hmm. kind of like got ditched to arrakis which was like a desolate wasteland and then they discovered spice Rude. Uh, the fremen had already been there by the time they discovered the spice but they didn't get to exploit it at all they were they sent in like more powerful factions uh, yeah. who had the economic resources to mine it basically um, and that is like oil in the Middle East. That is the, yes. the most baseline. Yes, it has to be a metaphor. The base and and um, the fact that it's based on oil, the fact that it's based on the Middle East and the exploitations by the Western society, um, is all rooted in Frank Herbert was a huge ecologist. He loved oh. studying how how um, like like biodiversity systems like like evolve over time and how like there's really like no greater um demonstration of power again power being a main theme there's no better demonstration of power in the universe than being able to control the ecology of the planet you live on and that's what humans really do humans like abuse the ecology of their planet and so what does a universe look like where humans are fighting over resources on like scarce resources on planets we're about to find out in about tens of thousands years. of years in the future, obviously. But yeah, we are, we're about to find no, out real we're soon gonna, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry. Um, it's actually cool. Like, Later on in Dune, they refer to Earth. They like talk about how Earth is oh. a thing. And and the Atreides family traces their lineage back to like Alexander the Great. And, That's like, right. Really That's right. Because in the future, they become way better at understanding genetics. Hence the Bene Gesserit, who are super into genetics. Hence, there's a bunch of other fa- like Factions this movie is a little eugenics e. Yep. Um, There's a lot of incest later on. Nice. Which um, which happened in like like uh uh in like medieval times with like royal families. A lot of times they would like interbreed for the sake of 
right. political power with other royal families, but also economic, like they would marry into families and inherit wealths of other countries. Um, so this is all yes. based on historical. Um, is there anything you think the movie didn't do well or any criticisms you have? Other than the, the one I said you about up. the, because yeah, I think the biggest flaw is that none of it's explained and um, it really just could be even better if it was better explained mm -hmm. um, at, mm -hmm. at, the, at the cost of visual, you know, for every moment of exposition dialogue that Denis Villeneuve instead does like this incredible like set piece, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that in that way, if you know what's going on, or even if you don't, and you just love the visuals, like it's a top notch movie. It's the best movie I've seen in recent years. Yes. I would like it to win best picture because I just think it's so cool and so well done. And it wasn't like necessarily going to go well. Like, obviously we mm -hmm. saw the first Dune movie bombed because if you can't do this well, it's not going to work because it's so complex. There's so many things to be conveyed in mm -hmm. this film yeah um i really liked okay so i loved the casting you brought up before is genius i think timothy chalmay is really good in this i think he's good in everything um mm -hmm. i love jason momoa i think he's just like a great face um oh yeah duncan I, idaho is the coolest character too and that name duncan idaho like fuck yeah um i love jessica is amazing as well uh oh. rachel ferguson Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. Right? I love the... Okay, so this movie gave me Hamlet. Very strong Hamlet vibes. And Hamlet oh, is probably yes. like... Hamlet's probably like my favorite Shakespeare play. So I really enjoyed that. Like the whole young king brooding over... Um, you know, with a, with a really close relationship with his mother kind of brooding over the father, the loss of the father, the father dynamic. Him and his mom give the patriarch them of the patriarch the powerful family. The edible complex um, issues. And I really loved that. I honestly like enjoyed kind of how weird it was. Um, and I think it gives a lot of good depth to the whole like young king thing who's like obsessed with his mommy. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. So I liked that a lot. The one thing I didn't like actually is, and I know this is part of the book's plot, so it's not like the movie's choice, but I didn't like how, um, spoiler, the betrayer was the tutor, you know, someone so close oh. to the family. I thought that was super cliche and kind of not on brand for like the characters that they were building. I forgot to mention it, but that is the biggest example of something that is super well done in the books that does not translate. Okay. Um, so when you watched it, confirm if this is true or not. Um, it was like a total, like it was a like plot twist, right? It was like presented out of nowhere. There was yeah. no lead up to it really. There was no lead up, but, and yeah, it felt like they just like randomly picked a character that was going to betray the family. Exactly. Okay. So I've, I mentioned this before on the pod, but um the start of every chapter in Dune is like a historical retelling of what happens in that chapter. So right. Like They're telling a, it like it's thousands a of book. years in the, like a history book. Okay. And uh, throughout the entire first book, it's like the, the, the first book is actually like three smaller books. Okay. Um, and the Game whole first book. Type beat. 
is the story of the betrayal of of Leto Atreides and like the the collapse of of oh. the Atreides family. In the book, it's from the beginning you know that it's this guy because in the early chapters they explain that he, they took his wife and they basically blackmailed him into doing this. Yeah. Um, and so the whole first book is the story of that doctor, Doctor Yue, mm-hmm. coming so close to exposing himself many times he like almost gives it away to jessica jessica is like on him about she's really like, smart like, yeah she's super smart and she's also like reading him just like she reads everyone as a benedict and uh, there's a moment specifically where she almost figures it out oh. and doesn't because she feels like compassion for him having lost his wife like she 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 we we know as the audience that she's giving up everything to you know be compassionate but it's a really powerful scene because um she's literally about to discover the plot to kill everyone and they if she figured it's out the whole the jig is up the whole jig is up she's um, kind of a bad benny jessera like she kind of takes their policies and tenants and like says like i'm gonna do, I'm gonna what, do I want. what i want exactly. yeah which is secretly Women's what all the benny jesserets do i'm sure later on because they're all selfish bastards but so um so let's talk about, I would love to ask you about Timothy Chalmay, Paul, and mm-hmm. Zendaya. Chani, is that how you say her name? Chani, yeah. Chani. So they're supposed to be like soulmate, one true love, destiny yeah. to be together. And uh, later on, no, spoiler alert, but like shit gets way worse. Like way, way, way worse. Um, for everyone involved. Like all the powers that be, all the yeah. characters that you see. Uh, no one is a good guy. Um, I like that. Which I there's actually I have a, like a list of quotes here. So in Dune, there's a like kind of a, their equivalent of Buddhist mantras. Like there's a philosophy called Zen Sunni philosophy, which mm-hmm. is like what all the intellectuals quote whenever the it's like very like it's super like, super cringe. Yeah. But like whenever like the the really intelligent people in this in Dune, they say like these sayings. Um, like stoicism yeah and i have one here about uh there's no more terrible disaster that could befall a group of people than for them to fall into the hands of a hero meaning yikes oh my god that's really good though there's (gasps) and so the fremen become the fremen quickly with paul makes the fremen people the richest people in the universe nice they it's good I don't want to spoil what happens in part two because it's not out yet, but like right. they win, like they win in the end. Um, and hey, that's cool. I didn't know that. The, and the Fremen quickly become like very vastly wealthy beyond their wildest dreams. The, the, the religion of Muad'Dib becomes the number one religion in the galaxy. You either convert to Muad'Dib to believing in Muad'Dib as a like living God, or you get, you know, killed in the Jihad. Like they Jihad the entire universe. Oh, okay. It's still kind of colonizery to me, though, and like at its core, the yeah, the Duke movie Paul is, is a colonizer. Like, but also because um, so spoiler, um, not for this movie, but for like later, perhaps um, at one point after this war and stuff like that, he ends up mutilating himself and then walking into the desert because he's so like disgusted. He doesn't with mutilate what himself. Oh, um, but basically, he does. It's oh. complicated. 
that is the unique power of the Kuzats Haderach is that you can see into the past, you can see to the future, and he's you can god. perfectly he's a god. He's a mentat Bene Gesserit navigator. He's all three. Um so hot. Yeah, but he loses his vision, but he can still see around him because he literally has vision of prescience. So in like Fremen religion, like they they send people who go blind into the desert because it's it's they are a risk to yeah the like useless. difficult yeah they're useless so can i ask he should you, be cast out but he's not can yep, i ask you though um are do paul and chani have like a sexy love story like can we look forward to that oh, in yeah. part two do oh, they yeah it's like super steamy yeah they're oh, like super okay. into each other and they have yeah. children okay okay yeah i Which mean what the yeah but so paul uh marries a Benny Jesseret as like a a formal yeah. marriage or something. Yeah, but they never they never uh bang. They never they never woohoo uh, consummate the marriage because it's literally just political. Because that was a thing that was done throughout most of history was that marriages were a political and uh a, a tool for the powerful to seize more power. And, and now they're just lame. Now they're lame. Yeah. Is it lame to get married? Let us know, listeners. Do we have any uh, contributions from We fans? do. So Nat Cops, Natalie Copstalls said, okay, we asked for thoughts on Dune. She said, good, but it's hard to translate the Benny Gesserit voice and Paul's future visions to screen, which you mentioned. I agree. I agree. And Javier Bardem. They did a good job of it. I will say that they did do a good job. Like it does good. its job. Good, not great. Good, not great. Exactly. She also says Javier Bardem is really good as Stilgar. Stilgar, who's a, you only see him in the end. He'll be yeah. a big character in the rest of the movie, but he's not a very big. That's cool. And Char the Charmander, Charmaine Luke said, Loki movie was so slow and just felt like a long as fuck intro into the sequel. Oops. Which yes, that's, that's true. I feel like that's spot on. Yeah. For reference, this movie is not half the book. This movie is like the first three quarters of the book. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I would have loved, a lot, honestly... Nothing, a lot of nothing happens in this book. Like, it's very boring. Honestly, give me, like, when the second part comes out, I might watch the first one, then the second one, because I, I feel like I'm, with a movie like this, it's so well done. I wouldn't mind, like, a fucking six-hour movie. Same, same. Plus, the next one's going to be all war. Look forward to a lot of combat. So, a lot yeah. of what can we look forward to in the next movie that's important a lot of fighting between okay. the harkonnens and eventually also the imperial sardaukar yes. show up again yeah. um and actually that's something i forgot to bring up a really cool piece of trivia that i really wanted to mention was that uh the fighting styles are very like interesting in like their interpretations and their uh, like what they're based on uh the atreides like like paul's house is based on like filipino martial arts Oh. The Harkonnens are based on like Mongolian because they're like brute. Yeah, you know, the, they're gross, the bad guys. They're worms. Um, so they're based on Mongolian fighting styles of like Genghis Khan. Uh, and then the Sardaukar are um, a combination of like feudal Japan, like samurais with the swords, right? And like Ufnyar, which is like a those like vi- like vo- Vikings who would like scalp people and like just like destroy them and oh, like Jesus. blood like the you know in Smithsomar when he like eagles the person oh yes like rips 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 them open that's those those Viking tribes were so they're brutal 
Um, interesting. And I just thought it was really interesting that all the fighting styles are inspired by like societies that lived very similar, like that are that are loosely based on um, in our throughout history. So very cool. So we're doing fighting in the next movie. We're doing Zendaya awesome and Timothy Chalamet in the next movie. Banging in the next one. Yeah. Banging. Um, what about Lady Jessica? What about some of the characters we've met in the first one? Lady Jessica keeps bossing. She becomes way more powerful. Okay, um, cool. Which I won't explain how, but she becomes way more powerful. Um, and the birth of Paul's little sister. Aaliyah. And that and she becomes a really big character as well. So okay. I'm curious who they will cast as Aaliyah because she's like a child, but she's very intelligent. So it has to be a really good child actor. Did you know that uh, Sofia Coppola was the baby in the baptism at the end of The Godfather? I did know that. Oh. That is cool. a very cool trivia, though. Cool trivia, Anna. Trivia! trivia. Um, okay. Do we want to slide into closing thoughts? We should slide into closing thoughts because we are at time. Um, Got it. I, sa- I say if you have not seen Dune, uh, you should go see it, preferably in a theater if you can. Um it's the best movie this year. It's one of the mm. best sci-fi movies I've seen in recent years. Mm. Please stop watching Star Wars because they don't need any more money. <laughs> Watch Dune instead. Um, read Dune. It's a real. If you like um, sci-fi, it's great sci-fi. I love reading sci-fi, and it's my favorite sci-fi. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to echo kind of the, some of the same things you said. Um, Dune is a really great movie. It's got an all-star cast, all-star director. I mean, Hans Zimmer should get his whole pussy eight for this soundtrack as well. Um, Uh, I I can't even do the like singing voice. There's a lot of, yeah. Um, I think it's watch it if you want to be entertained. It is really a more compelling, interesting, sexier, layered version of like a Star Wars or Star Trek. Um, If you haven't seen it, definitely you should so that you can watch the second one and keep up. Because I think that will will be a good movie. It's got a big uh, kind of job as it's inherently a sequel. But um, yeah, watch Dune. um, Read the books. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I think I would also give it a 10 out of 10. I I would give it a 9.5, I think. Nothing gets a 10 out of 10 ever. Nothing gets a 10 out of 10. It would get a 9 for me easily, just for the visuals alone. Um, Yes. Yeah. All right uh closing thoughts uh fear is the mind killer don't fear yeah that's a little fear that's is the, the mind killer. Mind, that was a little uh, have you heard the full quote like the full bene Gesserit? uh no because in the full quote it kind of it's it makes a little bit more sense so it's i must not fear fear is the mind killer that's what they say in the movie the full thing is it adds upon that fear is a little death that brings total obliteration I will face fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone and passed, I will turn an inner eye and see its path. And where fear was, there will be nothing and only I remain. So meaning like when you control fear, you control every part of yourself. If you can control what you're afraid Holy of, shit. there is nothing else in this world that can that I will be the only thing remaining once I look inward at why I fear those things. That is a really, really cool fucking quote. Wow. Bene Gesserit's baby. Happy fucking But you knew women's... that already because you're a Bene Gesserit. 
Yes, and you I am. Pray that every morning when you wake up. Yes, I do, and I also torture myself <laughs> to make myself mentally sharper. Yes. Um, yes um and also my kid is gonna be a supreme the croissants <laughs> the, yeah the, the thing um okay wow cool. i'm gonna keep thinking about that quote for a while yeah read read dune there's a lot more of those cool maybe not it's a how lot many of books are in the dune there's six books um okay. and they're all like long yeah except for the second one maybe um should we dive into some recommendations for the week? Recommendations. We should, I totally forgot. I was about to say, let's close the show out, but let's recommend stuff. Stuff. So. Go ahead. Okay. So I've seen a lot of good things recently. Um, but what I want to recommend this week is a little different, actually. Um, it's a book. It's not a movie. But I mm. think we can do all media. So. Same. I also have uh, a different medium. Okay, so I want to recommend this book. It's called, I have it right here. <laughs> it's called The Defining Decade. And it's by this uh, doctor of psychiatry. Why did I say it like that? Meg J. So basically, The Defining Decade is by your 20s. And if you're like me, you worry about everything. So um, this book is all about your 20s. Basically, she talks about all of her patients and all the things she's learned about life in your 20s, how to make the most of it, how to set yourself up for like a good rest of your life, how to kind of like the skills you need to acquire and like um, the important stuff. And she kind of distills it into this book. And there's a section of the book on work, section on love, section on uh, like personal stuff. Um, which includes like taking care of yourself and like whatever and it's really base like some of the logic is very basic it's like it's literally just like don't date people that you aren't like don't date people that are bad for you and like don't take the easy job like take the job that will like make make you work and like develop identity capital um it's just like good wisdom it's not too preachy and if you're like me and feeling a little like flustered about having supposed to be in like the best years of your life, quote unquote, read this book. It makes you feel, it made me feel a lot better. Made me feel like I'm not screwing my life up. Um, even though I spent all day hungover vomiting. Um, so maybe <laughs> I am, but Damn, that's, that's a good wreck. Yeah. It's Sorry. Good. What's it called again for the, for the folks called at the home? De- the defining decade, the defining decade. And I promise it's not as like pompous and m- like weird as the title makes it seem cool um as i mentioned my recommendation is also not a movie or not a Mm. film um i recently jumped into cyberpunk 2077 which is the open world it's like blade runner ish it's an open world video game uh that you may have heard of because it was like it released a year ago and like was unplayable because like the graphics are so good everyone hated it but it doesn't everyone hated it because it wouldn't run on anything they just released a new update where you can play on ps5 so i just bought it on ps5 nice shit looks gorgeous it looks like blade runner Mm -hmm. but like first person crazy open world metropolitan sprawl um there's tons of different storylines that are really interesting but about an hour and a half in you kind of like get blacked out because you get um like knocked out or something mm-hmm. and uh you you assume the role of some other character and you're like who the fuck is this and there's a reveal where 
they like look up in the mirror in a bathroom and it's Keanu Reeves and you're Shut Keanu up. Reeves <gasps> and you go on to like you become Keanu Reeves for this one mission and he's like murdering people like one shot killing everyone and is like heisting a bank in like a giant multinational corporation building that's like thousands of feet into the sky like the skyscrapers are massive um and he gets roped into the story and suddenly Keanu Reeves is like your buddy that's like riding around with you in the game and like constantly and he I have a quote here that was absolutely ridiculous he like basically just like comes in for major plot points because he's like in he's in your brain like you accidentally like you have like a cyber link in your brain that like you can see shit and like plug into systems um and so he gets plugged into your system by accident like he's a virus in your system and uh there's one point where he's like look he's like looking around your body like taking your vitals and shit and he goes you remind me of myself except for all the charisma and an impressive cock Dude, Which I wonder Keanu? what he says if you're a, if you choose to play a female character. Now that I think about it, but well, you're also missing the cock. I imagine you're also you're... missing the impressive cock. Yeah, that's true. Um, Keanu Reeves is the best the best actor of his generation, and like I won't die on that hill. Like I'm killing myself on that hill. And look it up. Like he looks like himself. Like they oh mocap himself. Like it's just him with a robotic arm. Like it's Keanu Reeves playing Keanu Reeves in this movie. It's so good. Oh my god. Okay, wait. That's cool. And just look up visuals of this game and you'll be like, it's beautiful. It's the most beautiful game I've played in. And it's Have a great Have you ever open read world. about Keanu Reeves' life and like the tragic shit that has happened to him? I vaguely am aware of this, but- Go no, read I'm, about I'm, it. It's I will truly go read about heartbreaking. It right yeah. Um, so yeah. Cyberpunk 2077. Um, check it out. It's Mexi. Thank you everyone for listening. As always, we really appreciate when you write to us via the Instagram page. Shout out to Gablametti for guessing this movie so early on and with the worst clues I could think of. You are they smart. They were hard. I can't believe she got it. Um, and yeah, thank you for everyone for listening. Cinema Scum podcast on Instagram. Um, find us on Spotify. Go to Ollie's house and find him there um <laughs> i guess we're gonna keep going with the the surprises for these next i guess it's doesn't really matter um so yeah Our fan picks look forward were to all lame so we no i'm kidding we'll yeah. do a fan pick soon we'll do a fan pick soon stop suggesting th- children's movies. there's too many I, I think we should definitely do batman this is an off the air conversation we've got to we do we're doing batman do it's got batman. a 90 it's got a nine I... out of ten on like rotten tomatoes I forgot, like I forgot to mention this in my ep- my prologue to this episode. I was going to mention that I've tried to go see Batman three times now, and it's sold out every time slot. I Same can't go any hand. like there's. Yeah. When am I going to be able to see this movie? Is the question. Dude, I'm going to have so, to like, pre-book tickets or something. That's why I don't want to say that it's going to be the episode next week. Because what if we aren't able to see it next week? Anyway, this is a problem just for have to off the air, Ollie and Anna. Yeah. You'll just yeah. have to stick to stay tuned. Um. So yeah. Anyways, until next time, take care, everybody. Bye. Bye, guys. Love you. Mr. Simon, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him two lips like roses and clover. Then tell him that his lonesome night.